Paxson improperly obtained access to information held by his office that had not been publicly disclosed for the purpose of providing the information to the benefit of Nate Paul. Including the unredacted FBI brief on Paul. Chris Fox for CBS News, Austin. The Ukrainian Freedom Orchestra is touring for the second straight summer, playing in eight cities in Europe and Britain. It'll run from August 20th to September 3rd. Wendy Gillette, CBS News. He might not have a badge, but we have faith in his killer instinct. Celebrate the 10th anniversary of famed detective priest, Father Brown. Stream the new season now, only on BritBox. That sounds like a marvellous plan. Plus, watch even more unofficial detectives in Much Love series, including Agatha Christie's Marple, Murder in Provence, and more. Expect intriguing mystery. Expect The Undetectives. Start streaming today at BritBox.com. Here at the Almond Joy Factory, where tropical vibes abound, we use soft, fresh-tasting coconut. The crunchiest almonds and delicious chocolate candy. Ah, but do you know what our most important ingredient is? Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Almond Joy's got nuts and something even way better than that. Yes, Almond Joy is made with almonds and joy. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, the best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Six great flavors of slushies, pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. Stock up now for the weekend at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury. The beverage supermarket makes it also great Father's Day gifts, gift cards from Brewers Outlet. Yeah. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Struck her out! And Oklahoma caps off the winningest season in history with a seventh national championship. Sooners take the series 2-0 over Florida State. They get the three-peat. They extend the winning streak to 53 games. And they have their sixth crown in a decade. My old friend Beth Mowens with the call on ESPN is Oklahoma, the dominant franchise in college softball, wins their third straight. But... The reality is that is, while really nice, it is not the signature play-by-play call of the day. I will take care of that. Fifty years ago today, one of the truly great performances in the history of sports. Chick Anderson on the call. This tremendous Belmont State. Everybody's in line, and they're off. Looks like the early lead goes to Mike Gallant. Yes, Mike Gallant going for the lead with Price and Prince on the outside. Secretary of the way very well, has good position on the rail, and in fact is now going up with the leaders. 
They're moving for the first turn. It is Secretariat. Sham on the outside is also moving along strongly. And now it's Sham. Sham and Secretariat are right together into the first turn. Mike Allen has third behind them. Then it's twice a prince, and the trailer is Private Smiles as they go by the turn. Those two together, Sham on the outside. Sham getting ahead in front as they move around the turn with Secretariat second. Then there's a large gap. Make it eight lengths back to Mike Gallant in third and twice a prince fourth. And Private Smiles is still a trailer. They're on the backstretch. It's almost a match race now. Secretariat's on the inside by ahead. Sham is on the outside. They've opened ten lengths on Mike Gallant, who is third by ahead with Vice Prince fourth. Then it's another eight lengths back to Private Smiles, who is trailing the field. They continue down the backstretch, and that's Secretariat now taking the lead. He's got it by about a length and a half. Still Sham, ten lengths back. Mike Gallant, Vice Prince. They're moving on the turn now. For the turn at Secretariat, it looks like he's opening. The lead is increasing. Make it three, three and a half. He's moving into the turn. Secretariat holding on to a large lead. Sham is second, and then it's a long way back to Mike Gallant and twice a prince. They're on the turn. It's Secretariat is blazing along the first three quarters of a mile in 109 and four fifths. Secretariat is widening now. He is moving like a tremendous machine. Secretariat by 12. Secretariat by 14 lengths on the turn. Sham is dropping back. It looks like they'll catch him today as Mike Allen and Plyce Prince are both coming up to him now. But Secretariat is all alone. He's out there almost a sixteenth of a mile away from the rest of the horses. Secretariat is in a position that seems impossible to catch. He's into the stretch. Secretariat leads his field by 18 lengths. And now Price of Prince has taken second, and Mike Gallant has moved back to third. They're in the stretch. Secretariat has opened a 22-length lead. He is going to be the triple crown winner. Here comes Secretariat to the wire. An unbelievable, an amazing performance. He hits the finish 25 lengths in front. It's going to be Price of Prince second, Mike Gallant third, Private Smiles fourth, and Sam, who had it today, dropped back to fifth. An amazing, unbelievable performance by this miracle horse. And look at Mrs. Queenie. She's having the time of her life. She and Lucian Lauren, who own this most magnificent animal, who has today run the most sensational Belmont stake in the history of this race. Secretariat has accomplished the unbelievable task of breaking the mile-and-a-half record by two and three-fifths seconds. That is a that is a record that may never be broken. It might be the single greatest performance in the history of horse racing. Secretariat, it had been 25 years since Citation had won the Triple Crown. Secretariat in 1973, 50 years ago, not only won the Triple Crown, but set the record that still stands in the Kentucky Derby. Set the record that still stands in the Preakness. And set the record that may never be broken at 224 in the Belmont. And won by 31 lengths for the first Triple Crown in 25 years. And that was on this day 50 years ago. Ron Turcott aboard, Lucian Lauren the trainer, and Penny Tweedy the owner.
It was immortalized in the movie Secretary, where they did a good job in the movie. And my broadcast partner and great friend, Dick Girardi, is in the movie Secretary. There is the scene where they're getting ready for the Belmont, which they filmed at Keeneland, down in Kentucky. The scene allegedly takes place in New York, but they filmed it at Keeneland in Kentucky. And Dick is in the scene with lines. With Diane Lane playing Mrs. Tweedy. John Malkovich playing Lucian Lauren. And when it was over with, the scene was over because I mean, and you watch if you watch the movie, you'll know exactly which one Dick Girardi happens to be. And Dick's got a couple lines in there, right? And Diane Lane walked up to Dick and she said, "Wow, you're really good. You're a natural." <laughs> and Dick ended up being on the red carpet and the whole deal for the movie. And the movie's really good. I mean, the movie's really the one. I'll tell you the one area where the movie takes a little bit of a liberty, a little bit of a liberty, right? Is that uh, their farm, you know, everything's like, you know, you know, secretary, you know, they did have to, you know, there's a lot of it that's accurate. The one part that is left out of it is that that farm had produced Reaver Ridge the year before, and Reaver Ridge won the Kentucky Derby and the Belmont. So actually, that farm had won five out of six um, um, uh, five out of six Triple Crown races. The only one they lost was in the mud at the Preakness. Uh, I think it was BBB beat uh, Reaver Ridge, but that's the part that was left out of it. Of course, you know, but this horse was unbelievable. It's still the record for the fast. Still today, okay, record Kentucky Derby time is Secretary Preakness, record time Secretary, record time Belmont Secretary. That was 50 years ago today. Now, the other big 50-year anniversary coming up is John Capaletti's run to the Heisman Trophy. It's 50 years this year. And Penn State's first-ever 12-0 season. Everyone remembers, of course, the speech that John made at the Heisman dinner at the Downtown Athletic Club in New York. But let's not forget what got him to the Downtown Athletic Club in New York to make that speech about his brother Joseph, about Joey. What got him there was the one great performance after another, including three straight 200-yard rushing games. That was 50 years ago this year. The uh, I know Rich Garcelle is trying to get a hold of me. He wants to write an article about it. Uh, you know, and of course, talk to him about it. The I think Big Ten Network did Big Ten icons, and I guess Capaletti's story was on this week. I didn't see it, but somebody brought it up to me. And in the uh, documentary about him, um, I am in it with several quotes. You know, 
So uh, after that had come out, John was at a game. And, of course, you know, for those of you, you know, you go to Beaver Stadium, you know, you see the suites on the east side, and you see the press box on the west side. Well, the press box on the west side has some areas that, uh, you know, that people can sit in. Well, it turned out that John got tickets, and they were on the west side with us, and we were walking in, Jack Ham and I, after doing the pregame show. We walk in, and John's right there. And John looks up, hey, Jack, great to see you. Hey, Steve, great to see you. You know, the documentary turned out great. Okay, you know. And he had tickets. So John Capaletti now goes to go into the game. And he hands the ticket. And so they scan the ticket. And it won't scan. So they try it a couple more times. It still won't scan. So John politely gives them a second ticket. He says, well, try this one. Scan it. Won't scan. So John says, all right, well, how about this one? He hands him a third ticket. Still won't scan. And Jack Ham and I are standing right behind John. And I finally said, Truman, we've had one Heisman Trophy winner ever. Let him in. (laughs) Truman looks over and goes, you're right. He says, just go in. John looks back and goes, hey, thumbs up. Thanks, man. We got one. I let him in. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I think he belongs here. He's <laughs> uh, one of the many, many reasons everybody loves going back over and over again. John's a class act. I mean, great guy. If he had a chance to meet him, he's just a great guy. Uh, humble. You know he he is he will as much talk about Mark Markovich, who did who threw so many great blocks for him, or he'll talk about his roommate on the other side, the linebacker Eddie O'Neill, as much as talk about himself. And of course, that was Penn State's first ever twelve and zero season in nineteen seventy three, and John won the Heisman Trophy. Fifty years this year, fifty years. How about that, boy? Where does time go? We will come back with more in a moment as we continue here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, uh, Kirk Schultz, who's the president at Washington State, they had a Board of Regents meeting today in Pullman. And he told them he expects the resolution of the Pac-12's next TV deal to be by the end of this month. As for the dollar figure, he was quoted as saying at least the projections that Pat Chun, and Pat Chun is the athletic director at Washington State, the athletic, the at least the projections Pat Chun and I and others have seen, Schultz said, I'm not sure that it will be a lot larger than what we saw in the past, and it shouldn't be smaller than in the past. It just may be fairly flat. He did not elaborate on anything else. In fiscal year 2022, the conference reported $385.6 million in revenue, an average of $32.1 million per school, from its media rights deals with ESPN, Fox, and the Pac-12 Networks. 
fairly flat number in 2024 when the league loses USC and UCLA would put the Pac-12 in line with what the Big 12 is getting, 31.7. Everyone knows about, you know, Colorado and what they're, you know, they've been kind of floating around there, and Arizona's been floating around with the Big 12, we'll see. Now, Robert Roberts, Robin Robbins, yeah, Robert Robbins, who is the president of Arizona, told ESPN's Pete Thamel, and you know the great respect I have for Pete, there were an event in Washington on Thursday. He said, quote, until we have it, no one can make an informed decision. Absolutely right. He added, I've seen forecasts and projections. I do think there's good data on what the Pac-12 is valued at. I've seen those numbers. If we get close to those numbers, I think we'll be fine. Schultz comment was about the end of the month timeline. It's not the first time he's brought that up. So he was they were asked, or they asked him, how confident was he that on a scale of one to ten that there would be a deal completed by the end of this month? And he said, I would probably put it at a seven. It's a little bit less than an eight or nine. It would seven. Now you heard earlier about the Pac-12 getting its grant of rights deal taken care of. You're like, why do they do that for? And the reason is that George Klyovkov, the commissioner, had said to them earlier that once they had a deal done, it would take a couple of days to get the grant of rights done. So what they decided to do is they decided to get the framework of the grant of rights done now. That way when they get the TV deal in place, they can just sign the TV deal and have the grant of rights automatically kick in. So they the other couple of days it would have taken to do that, they wanted to get that done in advance preemptively. Now, the grant of rights doesn't mean anything. You know, in other words, these people have not signed the grant of rights, but the active document's there, and they've all agreed to it, but they haven't signed it yet. Because they're not going to sign it until they see the numbers. There's also another element that comes into play here with the Pac-12 and the end of the month. If they wish to add San Diego State, they'd have to really do it so by the end of the month because San Diego State's exit number from the Mountain West, it is at a reasonable level now, but dramatically jumps when the new fiscal year starts on July 1. So we will see where that goes. It's been out there, out there, out there, out there, out there. Almost every day. And nothing has happened with it. Uh, Ratings-wise, Denver's win over Miami... Uh, 11.2 million viewers. That is down from the uh, first two games, and it's down from last year's game between the Celtics and the Warriors. Game four is tonight at 8.30. is on ABC with the great Mike bringing along with 
Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. And last night, let's give Florida credit where credit is due. They were up against it last night, scored a late goal in the third period, and then Verhege won it in overtime. Florida is now 7-0 and in overtime games this playoff season. Florida is 7-0 and in overtime playoff games this season. That's amazing. But Carter Verhege scored the game winner last night in overtime, and uh, it was Kachuk that scored the game-tying goal late. Matthew Kachuk getting the job done, tied the game 17-47 at forced overtime. That's how close Vegas was. They were 2 minutes and 13 seconds away from a 3-0 lead. And Sergei Bobrovsky was outstanding. He was back to being Sergei Bobrovsky last night. King coming up next. We'll talk to him, get his thoughts on the world around us. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Roots 11 and 15, Nevels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports Domestics Microbrews, the best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water. Soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Six great flavors of slushies. Pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. Stock up for the weekend now. Don't forget about Father's Day and gift cards from Brewers Outlet. Makes a big difference. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, K-Roots 11 and 15, almost worth and online at sunburymotors.com. Welcome to the King. Hey, brother, what up? Yeah, it's hanging in there. What about you? Good. Doing good. Might have a new listener, Barry Lippman, one of the cornhole guys. The guy's a great cornhole player. So he said he was going to try and listen today, so... Getting more go, scores magic here. So, there you go. Yeah. What do you think of the playoffs? Um, both uh, hockey and basketball. Vegas is the better team. Uh, Florida, to its credit, played with a lot of guts last night. 
scored yeah. late, yep. and then they're now seven and zero in overtime games this season. In the I playoffs. know Kachuk has scored four overtime goals. <laughs> yeah, I mean Kachuk just... has been great for them. Vegas is still the better team, though. You can see it. Oh yeah, they're uh, bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. But Florida has done this to hold. They did it to the Bruins. Um, yeah. With two, with a minute left in the game, don't quit. They don't quit because they will burn you. And if you make a mistake, they capitalize on it. It's fascinating to watch them because they don't have the talent the other team has, but they have the desire. It is really they when their backs are against the walls when they play their best. So. Oh. They have and they have the better goaltender. I mean, Bobrovsky was terrific last night. Yeah, so. he was terrific last night, but not the last game. Right. They yeah, got to gonna him. Be, yeah. and but you're not going to be that, perfect. That's kind of like the key is to shake his confidence, and he was back on his game last night. So, I mean, it, the only way you beat a hot goaltender is a get a couple even if they're cheap goals get them and it shakes his confidence yeah what i noticed with him and with the teams that have played against him they start overthinking they can't get the puck past him so they hesitate and they try and get the perfect shot and any any nhl goaltender if he can see the puck he's going to stop it and they hesitate they're like nope and then, and that hesitation might be a half a second, but it's enough for him to capitalize. Uh, fascinating. Now, as for the Nuggets and the Heat, what's interesting is that the Heat won forty-eight games during the regular season. Yeah. But their formula in the playoffs is different than their formula in the regular season. They have really only had success in the last two rounds when they've shot the three ball well. They were only a 34% three-point shooting team in the regular season and only shot 50% or better from three in three of the 82 games. But You're then talking you get to about the play- Miami. Miami. Then they get to yeah. the playoffs, and they had three 50% three-point shooting games against the Celtics and won all three. And the one mm-hmm. game they've won in this series, they shot 48% from three. Denver is by far the better all-around team, uh, led by, by Jokic, obviously. But Murray was terrific the other night, and Christian Brown was terrific. The Nuggets are the better team. If they keep it, Miami uh, under 40% from three, the Nuggets will win the next two games. If the Heat can shoot better than 40% from three tonight, they'll have a chance to win. Again, the fascinating thing, Milwaukee was by far the better team. They swept them. The Celtics were by far the more talented team. They beat them, took a seventh game on Boston's own court. Fascinating teams, you know. And Miami... Is more fascinating than all of them because they got three starters who weren't even drafted. You know, it's so you can take the get the super three players on your team formula and throw that out the window. You know that. Well, I mean, they're very, very good basketball teams. They're very well coached. So. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, look at Jokic. It's a second-round pick. Yeah. He's not a first-round pick. How does everybody ele- miss on him? He was the How many teams was... passed him up? Oh. All well, of them. He was the 41st <laughs> you know? overall pick in the draft. Yeah, well, even Denver passed on him the first time. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's... You know, you just don't know. I mean, the European players, you can give a little bit of a pass, you know, if somebody misses on them, but um, not much. I mean, I don't know. I haven't been as much into the playoffs like this in years. I've been really enjoying it. I love the pure pure sport of it. You know, you really don't know who's going to win the game. That's that's what's fun. So, yeah, I just uh, again, it, it, it's interesting you watch it because well, Duncan Robinson obviously I saw, him, and he played at Williams College up in northwestern Massachusetts, up in the Berkshires. Yep. <laughs> and I think John Beeline, one of his sons, I think was coaching at Williams, and he said, "Dad, you got to see this kid," and. So he transferred. He goes from being Division three to Power Five and right. starting. And you know, obviously, I mean, I you know, I don't know how many Duncan Robinson games I announced. I don't know four, five, six, whatever. I was really nope. good. <laughs> the dude was really good. <laughs> he could just uh, flat out shoot it. You just don't know, you know. I, I mean, we'll go back to Tom Brady. I mean, there's there's your best example in the world, you know. Everybody passed on him six times. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. one thing to pass once, but six times. <laughs> oh. Right. And I remember when he went to the Patriots, I was talking to somebody, and they said, yeah, we have this guy, Michael Bishop, the kid out of Kansas State. And I yep. said, you got to be kidding me. I said, I said the best quarterback you have in your roster is Tom Brady. And he thought I was nuts. No, I, I watched all their um, preseason games. And I sat right up when he come at the first his first series on the field as a Patriot. He moved the team right down the field. Yeah. I was like, who is this guy? This guy's yeah. good. Because he really wasn't... A name, big name in college, you know. I know he went to Michigan and all that, but it wasn't like he's a can't miss in the NFL. Um, I and then I only watched all their preseason games to watch him. I was like, this guy's great, and with the confidence and you know, uh, it's you know, you just don't know. Some players are, are. Supposed to be can't miss, and they don't make the team. So, uh, yeah, I mean, some I, and Bishop's problem is he just couldn't get a handle on the playbook, and you could see right away Brady knew he, what he was doing and why he was doing it. Yeah, uh, and I mean, that makes a big, right. Oh, that makes a big yeah. that makes a big difference along the way when guys have the yep. ability. I mean, sometimes it's that simple. I know the playbook, and I know what we're supposed to do, and they go out and they do it. Other guys may have more talent, but they don't have a grasp on the playbook, and they end up going out there trying to think of what they're trying to do, and it sets them back. It's not like, because I listen to 
um, EEI in Boston in the morning, and Jerome Wiggins, who was a tight end on the Super Bowl team, um, mm-hmm. the first Super Bowl they won, he caught 11 passes that game. He reminds everybody every day. But he was there. He was in the locker room when Bledsoe got hurt. Brady yeah. went in. And he said it wasn't like, and he he thinks Brady is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Sure. But he said at the time, he said his job was not to make a mistake. You know? Right. It wasn't about... Um, Wow, this guy is super duper duper. It was don't make mistakes and run the team, which he did very well, and they won it with their defense. But I, it wasn't like that watching on TV. He was <laughs> Tom Brady was running that team. At, at least well, it appeared that way. He says uh, no, that he was just a part of the part of the puzzle. So, well, I'll, I'll give you two parts. When they played the Steelers in the playoffs. Brady got mm-hmm. hurt. People forget that. Brady got hurt against the Steelers. And Bledsoe came off the bench. Mm-hmm. Bledsoe came off the bench, and Bledsoe led them to the win against the Steelers in the playoffs. I think where Brady really then embraced what you're talking about was the final two minutes against the Rams in the Super Bowl. Because remember yeah. John Madden? John Madden's looking at Tom Brady the Tom Brady you're talking about, and he said, hey, they need to just run the clock out and get to overtime. And instead, the Patriots went and said, here we go, we're going to play, and they let Brady do his thing out there. You know, throwing the ball to Troy Brown, throwing the ball to Redmond, and it set up the game-winning field goal by Adam Vinatieri, and it went 180 of what the thought process was with a quarterback who had mostly managed games to that point and obviously, Belichick and Charlie Weiss had seen enough practice to knew what he was capable of, and they let him do it in that situation instead of sitting on the ball. Oh, they probably put him in sit because Brady's <coughs> excuse me, Brady's greatest asset was his decision making. He'd yep. hit the guy who was open, you know, and. Yep. It, they probably saw that in practice. Like, wow, he knew that, you know, and said, you know what, go for it. Because they were right, and the rest is history. Do you think Mahomes can catch him? I think Mahomes gets hurt somewhere along the way. With seven Super Bowls? No. Yeah. I don't think so. Um, That's tough. Yeah, look, I mean, winning one is hard. I mean that that's that's, yeah. that's something I talk about all the time. You know, whenever I'm with you. Go, yep. uh, oh, if he can win, if that's a legacy. I'll stop with the legacy stuff. Stop being the talk show goofball. Understand what the deal mm-hmm. is. Okay, the deal is winning one. He only won one. <laughs> yeah, he only won <laughs> one. one. Better I than love most. That one. <laughs> okay, uh, over here in the back. Mario Andretti is one of the greatest race drivers of all time. He won one Indianapolis mm-hmm. 500. That should tell you how yep. hard it is to win. It is yep. If winning were easy, it would not be as rewarding. Right. Right. And it, it's it's just, not. The it, win of Super Bowl is just, I mean, Dan Marino, one of the greatest quarterbacks yeah. ever. Yeah. I, don't, I bet you there's not one night he doesn't go to bed 
and think I never won a Super Bowl. Right. You know, if I just got one, and it, you're you are one of the greatest quarterbacks, but people will always say, "But he never won a Super Bowl." You know, right. it kills me, Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah, he only won one. You know, jeez, he's in the championship every year. You know, it takes a lot to win a Super Bowl. Well, my response is always very simple to that. I said, hey, when you get a chance, could you show me your rings? Yeah. What? Yep. I don't have any rings. Exactly. We'll come back with uh, headlines. <laughs> we'll come back with headlines in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay, headlines. Here we go. Have some fun for the end of the week. You get to start. Hello? Time for headlines, and you get to start. Oh, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Oh, okay. I usually hear a fuzz before I come on. All right, I got a couple. My first one is, and I I don't have my papers in front of me, the kid from Alabama. He's with Carolina. Bryce Young. Yes, Young. Are they? They're bragging about him now. Are they starting him too soon? And you I say what? this. I want to preface this where I have firsthand knowledge, and I'm not going to bring up name, drop names and stuff. That the Carolina Panthers are a mess, and <laughs> they <laughs> they they don't just come out of this that quick by throwing a rookie quarterback in there and saying he's right where we want him you know I don't I, I, it, there's more to it than that and oh we got a great offensive line well what happened to it last year I mean that the, the Carolina Panthers as an organization are a mess and I think taking that young kid and putting him out here that soon is a huge mistake you know what? It's at the point now in the NFL where you feel like they draft these guys. And, look, they picked him first overall. They expect him to play. Yeah, uh, I get it. But he hasn't played against people who are as fast as he is and stronger than he is. You know, I, everybody knows the whole deal. It's the NFL, you know. Yeah. It, you've got to show that you can do it on that level with you you played for Alabama, who you basically were ten times as good as most of the teams you played. So you look yeah. like Superman. But now you got the best player from every one of those teams coming after you, and that—that's a whole. You got to see if they can react to it first before you throw them out there like that. Oh, I think it's well, way too early, and I think it's a PR stunt. And to make people think, oh, wow, Carolina's going to be awesome this year. No, they're not. They're a mess from the top <laughs> of the organization to the bottom. Yeah. So. I, think, I, think he's the, I think he's their best chance to win, but that's, that's just me. Yeah, All but right. here, here, do you here, ruin him? I don't know. Well, uh, if, I, he if, can't if win can by play, himself. Now, that, did they you, get. You can uh, play a guy too soon. Say it again. 
I said, you can play a guy too soon. As Joe Paterno always told me, I'd rather play a guy one game too late than one game too soon. Right, and that makes a lot of sense. Did they get Sanders from Philly? Yes, they did. Miles Sanders is the running back. Yeah, I heard that today. I said, now that's a good pickup. And Philly didn't use him right. They didn't use him right in the Super Bowl. I don't understand why. Because every time he played well, they won. Yeah. All right, here's my headline. Aaron Judge and Pete Alonzo of the Mets are both out, but Giancarlo Stanton is playing. What are the odds of that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened. Stanton never the plays. The guy's always, too muscle-bound. He's always hurt. Every time he turns around, he stands on some list, and Judge and Alonzo are out hitting home runs. Now, Alonzo and Judge are out. Judge hurt his toe or something. <laughs> Baseball yeah. players are amazing. You, know, yeah. you watch a hockey player. He gets cut in the head with a skate, gets 18 stitches, he sits out for 10 minutes, he's back on the ice. A baseball player hurts his toe, and he's on the disabled list for two weeks. Or like the pitcher for the Red Sox, it, he's got a index finger nail problem. Uh, yeah. Uh, Here's one. Buy uh, some clippers. Figure that one out. Brian Bale or whatever. Yeah. 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 I'm like, where do they come up with this stuff? I'm sorry. I don't know. I sit there and go, what? The, the, uh, here's my next lead. Who <laughs> you'll love this? Which r- former Red Sox player will be Player of the Month this month? <laughs> <laughs> JD Martinez. <laughs> yeah. About- <laughs> Wasn't it the pitcher of the month before? Um, yeah. Oh yeah! Every time oh. you turn around, this guy's getting rid of guys, and they're going someplace else and thriving. You're really <laughs> I know your job. It's, it's bizarre, and they're sitting there starving. I mean, they yeah. are—they are not good. It's a tough. It's a tough go if you're a Boston fan right now yeah. for anything. They're—they're I mean, they're they, back to the 1980s and 90s. <laughs> I mean, they are competitive. They are competitive, but that's not good enough. The Red Sox? Yeah, they're competitive. Yeah. They can play with anybody, but they're not good enough because they, they just can't play consistently well. I mean, they'll lose two out of three of the Yankees this weekend. It'll, I mean, Cole's pitching tonight, and uh, Captain Spider Attack will pitch well. Well, they've got problems. They, they've got, I mean, they've had problems. I've been impressed with that they're 500. Yeah. Okay? No. Because think, their uh, roster yeah. just doesn't dictate 500. Nope. But no. they played played well enough to be there. Something happened the other night with Verdugo, and 